Thanks for tuning into Envisioning Vermont. Climate, justice, and the state of our future. We're glad that you're a part of this ongoing conversation on the environment, human life, and where the two meet in Vermont and beyond. This podcast is hosted by 350 Vermont. For more information, please visit 350vermont.org. That's 350vermont.org. I'm Sadesh Mukherjee, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Catherine Bach for a conversation on the Vermont Gas System's Renewable Natural Gas Contract. Before we go further, let's review a few terms that might be helpful to spell out. If we refer to VGS during this conversation, VGS, we are referring to Vermont Gas Systems. If we use the acronym RNG, we're referring to Renewable Natural Gas. And if we mention PUC, that means Public Utility Commission. So Catherine, thanks so much for your time. It's a pleasure to be joined by you. To begin, could you please introduce yourself briefly and share a little bit about how you became involved in the Vermont Gas Systems Renewable Natural Gas Contract? Yes, good morning. I grew up in California and spent most of my adult life in Sweden, where I raised my family, and then moved back to California in 2010 to help my mother and came to Vermont in 2014. So I heard about this case that the Vermont Gas was trying to get permission to buy renewable natural gas from a landfill in New York. And I heard about it at a 350 meeting. And they were saying, you know, we need someone who is a customer. And none of the people who were really concerned about this lived in Burlington. And I just moved to Burlington. So I said, sure, I can do it. And I became an intervener, not really knowing what it meant. But I've since then learned, and it's been very interesting, and I think we're making a big difference. Thank you. And could you share a few words about what it means to be an intervener? It's, they consider it pro se, which means you don't have a lawyer, but you are in the hearing as if you were a lawyer. So you get to ask questions, you write a testimony, you get to have witnesses. I, I'm not a lawyer. I had to learn the new vocabulary, but it's it's something that the PUC, the Public Utility Commission, allows so that citizens can have a voice in this type of case. And most people don't know about it. I didn't know about it, but there I was at a hearing with a whole bunch of lawyers. <laughs> Thank you. That sounds like an important and impactful role. And so we're talking about this Vermont Gas Systems Renewable Natural Gas Contract. Could you please describe this issue in basic terms to help us understand why it matters to Vermont residents? Yes. So renewable natural gas, as they call it, RNG, is the same chemically as natural gas that they get from fracking. So it's methane. And the idea is that you capture the gas that's coming off of landfills or off of digesters from places where they're raising animals and you use it to burn to heat your homes. And up to that point, it sounds like a good idea, except the BGS is trying to get a contract to buy this gas from a landfill, which is hugely polluting in New York. And it's very expensive And it's also a long way to bring it to Vermont. And they're planning to use the same pipelines, which would be about a 2,000 miles in a pipeline going first below uh, Lake Erie and then up into Canada and down mixing with the the fracked gas. So very little of that actual 
RNG would get to customers, if any at all. Because since it's so expensive, they are selling, they get, they get energy attributes for it, which means they're getting like a piece of paper that says that they're using renewable gas, but they're actually selling the gas for transportation because they can get a bit better price for it. So it's basically kind of pushing papers around and Vermonters would not be burning anything other than what they're already burning, which is fracked gas. Maybe three or four molecules a week that might come from, the, from that landfill. And the, the other issue is that we were in contact with a number of environmental groups in New York near the, the Seneca Meadows landfill who have sued the landfill five times for emissions, for smells. And also they have what we can call garbage juice that is leaking out thousands and thousands of gallons of it, containing PFAS, containing all sorts of very toxic chemicals. The area is having trouble getting people to move there because of the smell. And methane doesn't smell, but if they're emitting smells that people can smell, then they're also emitting methane. So that's another issue that you're getting this RNG and you're feeling very good about helping the climate. But by the time you compare it to the emissions during transport and during everything else, you compare it to the fracked gas, it's more or the same. It's, there's not less emissions of the actual leaking methane. Let me just reflect and you can tell me if I'm hearing you well. So this would be a false solution for a couple of reasons, at least. Uh, one of those is that it creates this impression of being quote unquote green, when in reality, it's no greener than fracked gas. And in addition to that, it's creating toxic conditions in New York where it's being uh, collected. And so uh, it's creating an unlivable situation where it's actually um, being produced. And so we see a few different issues making this an undesirable contract, if I understand correctly. Yes, it's, I wouldn't say it's creating toxic conditions. They're already there, mm-hmm. but it's supporting them. Uh-huh. Whereas the, the people in New York basically want to shut down this landfill and they actually only have a five-year contract to continue, but they're having a political argument there about whether or not to continue that contract. The other problem is that BGS is claiming that this is going to help meet the, the Global Warming Solutions Act, which was passed in Vermont, which now requires us to reduce our emissions. And it actually has no effect on the emissions. All it does is that they're coming and saying, we have these energy attributes, therefore we have less emissions. But what we're burning in Vermont is the same, the amount of gas we're using, the amount of emissions. Uh, Thank you for that clarification and thank you for expanding on that. Um, What do you feel we need to do instead of supporting the Vermont Gas Systems Renewable Natural Gas Contract? Well, the goal is to get away from burning gas and we can't do that right away but we need to have uh, methods that have a net result of burning less gas. And that would be increasing weatherization, increasing solar panels, heat pumps, other ways of getting renewable energy that doesn't involve burning. Because even like in, in Vermont burning the McNeil plant that burns wood and wood chips, you know, that's, they consider that renewable, but they're cutting down forests to, make wood chips for us to burn for our electricity. And it still emits a ton of carbon because it's burning. So the solutions 
that we should be concentrating on, and Vermont Gas says this, that this would just be one of the solutions. But why even bother with a solution that doesn't get you anywhere near the goal and makes it more expensive for the ratepayers? Great point that it is more expensive for ratepayers versus weatherization, which definitely applies to low-income folks who would save money on heat every winter because they're not paying for a heat that's leaking out of the houses. And so this seems directly related to a justice issue as well, if I understand it. Which specific actions can Vermont residents take at this time to respond to the Vermont Gas Systems Renewable Natural Gas Contract? Right now, we've been uh, really surprising VGS, well, actually the PUC, the Public Utility Commission's with all of the public comments that people send in. And we have over a hundred and people are, you know, you don't have to write a long story. You can just say, this seems like a false solution to me and I don't want my rates to go up or, you know, any public comments, they read all of them. So people can go on the PUC website. Um, The website is epuc.vermont.gov. And then you click where it says comments and, um, where it says select action and you click add public comment. And it's pretty straightforward, but it takes a little while to figure out where exactly to click. Thank you. And is there some language that you can suggest for people who would like to leave a comment in that way? Um, Exactly what they should say? Not exactly, but just to get folks started, uh, folks who want to take action but might not know what to say in a public comment um, on this issue. You should probably use the case number 22-2230. So that's the case. And that's VGS getting a contract for 14 and a half years. But I think if you just put the case number and then say that this case seems like like it's tricking people into thinking that they're getting renewable and greener gas when they actually aren't, and it's going to cost more, and maybe I can't afford to pay more, and I'd rather have my windows weatherized and be creative. But what we've been told by one of the lawyers that we've been consulting with is that the most powerful argument that citizens have is to say, you know, I can't afford the rate increase, especially if it's not actually going to be greener and it's not getting us towards the climate goals that we need to meet if the planet's going to continue as it is. Thank you. That's extremely helpful. Um, And before we conclude, Catherine, would you mind sharing a little bit about your own story Um, You're doing really important work. Uh, What drew you and continues to draw you to this work? Well, for me, it's a choice between giving up and despair and trying to find a place where I can do as much as I'm able. And I've done a lot of, you know, demonstrating in the street and civil disobedience and getting arrested for sitting on steps and singing about climate and, you know, And that has a bit of an impact, but I'm starting to feel like, you know, you just kind of argue with the court a little bit, you pay, you fine, you're fine, and then you're back out. Whereas this is more actually talking to the people who are in power to make a change. So that's the direction that I'm moving now. And I kind of learned about court and how it works a little bit from my own cases where I was arrested for civil disobedience and then listening to the lawyers and and how it worked. Although this this hearing that we had it was evidentiary hearing for them, for the PUC to learn about the case. And now they have to 
take all the information they've gotten, all the testimonies and figure out what the decision should be. And that's why it's so important for the public to send in comments so they know that people are listening. That's how you can make a difference. Thank you, Catherine. And I know that um, your own history and your family history is also a big part of uh, why you do what you do. And I'm wondering if uh, you're willing to share a little bit about that. Um, my parents are actually Holocaust survivors and managed to escape. And so I was born in California and grew up just out in nature. But kind of being an immigrant kid and not really fitting in and knowing about American culture, I was very, very attached to the natural world and especially to birds. I love birds. And then in eighth grade, when I was 13, I read um, Rachel Carlson's Silent Spring. And I was just devastated. I thought the grownups are killing the birds. You know, I thought I trusted people, grownups. And, and that's kind of when I became a really annoying environmentalist. And, and you know, it's, it's grown from there. And it's perhaps radical, but I'm actually proud of my children. Two of my sons live in um, tiny houses. And I was never going to have kids because of the environment, but then I really wanted to. So I took that little principle and changed it, decided I would raise kids who worked on environment. But they're living in, in tiny houses, um, which emit very little and um, don't plan to have children. And they say, don't expect us to have kids, mom, because you told us our whole lives that the world was not gonna be livable. And that's very, very sad. But um, I really feel that to be true. I'm 74 now, so hopefully I have a few more years to be able to try to make a difference. What advice do you have for people who feel deep despair uh, and still feel called to act. Uh, how do we keep moving forward despite uh, the difficult realities that face us? Find friends who are working on the same things you're concerned about. There's so many organizations. You know, in, in Vermont, we have like Standing Trees that's trying to keep the state forests from being logged. We have 350 that's working with legislation and with all sorts of different aspects of climate change. Um, there's Third Act, which is for older people that came out of also Bill McKibben's idea to get older people involved in banking for the future and voting to get people into office who will work for the climate and not be climate change deniers. Um, there's small groups just doing habitat restoration. There are so many groups, but once you're with other people who have the same concerns and you can sit down and go like, what should we do? Let's, let's see if we can restore that wetland that's full of invasives. Let's just get a bunch of people got down there and cut invasives. You know, it's a tiny thing, but it, it, it's something and it keeps you out of sitting alone in despair. Thank you. Um, the message that I'm taking away is, we might not know where we're going or we might be going in a very difficult direction, but we can, we can walk that walk together. And so yeah. That's inspiring. Uh, Catherine Bach, thank you so much for your time today um, for sharing of yourself and thank you listeners for tuning in to envisioning Vermont climate justice and the state of our future. <laughs>